Okay, so we are recording this on what is today's date? Twenty sixth. The twenty sixth of September, and which is a Monday, and this past week, and the last two weeks or so, I guess there's been a lot of new music. Oh yeah. Like I feel like the first eight months of the year kind of sucked as a whole. Like you get some hits and misses. Yeah. Or hits every now and then, but the last month has been overwhelming in releases. Yes. So that being said. I'm glad you're pulling up Spotify. I'm literally prepared. pulling up to talk about this. What are you vibing with right now? I am vibing with, let me go to my recently played because that will tell you. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, he is a legend, which I got to see at Blue Ridge. Um, they came out, excuse me, they came out with uh, two songs for their new LP that's coming out. Song called The Prowler and Lifeless Lemonade. That's a good title. Mm-hmm. Both are really good songs. I like The Prowler a little bit more. Also came out, Thrice had a new song, and they have this really groovy like James Bond chord that's in it. Um, I think it's called Open Your Eyes or something like that. That's really good. And then as far as for albums that came out, um, Stray from the Path came, up with, came out with an album called Euthanasia, and it right. is good from top to bottom. I love that album so much, and I've listened to it about three or four times. Nice. Uh, so those are my... I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Of course, you can't figure out where to look after you... Yeah, I'm trying to find mine while you're talking, and yeah, I don't know where Yeah, here we go. That's pretty much it, and then I discovered... Oh, no, one more. L.S.Dunes. This is a super group of um, Circus Survive... Uh, what's his name from my cam? I can't think of it. But someone from My Chemical Romance, from Coheed, and I think a guy from Thrice. Interesting. All formed a super group, and they came out with two songs. Uh, last week they came out with 2022, which if you've listened to Circus Survive, this is a Circus Survive song by all intents and purposes. But then they came out with a song called Permanent Rebellion, and I have listened to that quite extensively. So I'm very excited for this project because it's really been... There's been some banging tracks out of it. It's been a while since we've had a good super group. It has been. That's a good point. Like I can't think of the last time. So it's been a while. It's been it's been it's been a hot minute. But yeah, those are the bands that I've been jamming. Um, My my choices are, of course, completely different. Um, (laughs) No shock. Shania Twain dropped a new song on Friday, and it's a fucking bop. I do need to listen to that. It is. I literally, I listened to it, and ten seconds into it, I text my friend Brianna, and I was like, "This song was written for me specifically. It's got (laughs) just like a like a synthy bop to it." Yeah. Our our country pop queen came to serve. Um, Also, my boy Louis Capaldi did a driver's license cover. Nice. And it's really good. Spotify sessions, but. for albums on Friday, Kelsey Ballerini dropped her new album, Subject to Change. I'm not like a huge Kelsey Ballerini fan, mm-hmm. but I am a huge 90s country fan, and her album is very much 90s country. It's a very fun listen. Um, the uh, The whole album, except for one song, I actually really hate the song, Marilyn. It does not land. It should not have been released. It's really bad. Other than the, that song, um, there's a song called Come On Load. I can't remember what it's called i think it's called if you're going down i'm going down too about Hmm. yeah if you go down i'm going down too about like 
basically it's a ride or die song, which, you know, I yeah. hate that, but the song's very cute. And then last night I had seen a lot of hype for the new Rina Sawayama album. It came I two weeks love ago. me some Rina Sawayama. Fucking start to finish. I literally listened to it three times in a row yeah. last night. I haven't listened to it yet, but her previous album, I think it's called Excess. That album. It's called Sawayama. Is it Sawayama? Yeah. That album. Whew, I love that album so so much i think this one's better really i have literally listened to her entire discography in the last 12 hours yeah i her, think this one's better. i love that's my go-to gym album is the stfu it's, song and then excess so and then good uh garrison oh really yes mm. it's on a sunday that's tempting it's on a sunday that's tempting i'm gonna have to listen to it it's on my list of things to listen to i just haven't it's, gotten around to it I'm one impulse decision from going. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't convince me because I may go with you. Ticket tickets okay. Small rant about Ticketmaster. I I looked it up, but I was like, okay, tickets are only thirty three dollars. That's not bad. They're forty seven fucking dollars after Ticketmaster fees. Forty seven. Why are you adding that many fees? Just give make it a fifty dollar ticket. I would bitch less about a fifty dollar ticket. Apparently, there's a saying called Seat Geek. Yes, Josh was telling me about this. Did he? Okay. He already gave you a speech because we got ginger tickets for like 20 each. Yes. And that's like nothing. I just don't trust outside sources. <laughs> I'm going to buy them from Ticketmaster. But I was like, don't put that many fees on there. Yeah. I wouldn't bitch about a $40 ticket, but I'm going to bitch about $14 in fees. Yeah. Because that's stupid. It is stupid. It's But that's so that's stupid. capitalism for you. Capitalism did not pop off today, ladies. No, it did not. <laughs> no, it did not, did it? <laughs> it hasn't did popped not. off for a while. I hate to break it to the audience. Uh, but in that, I'm Leah. I'm Badan. And this is Shuaraku. Where are they getting a dub in a CPS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. We <laughs> ghost be like, pull up before I haunt you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is Shuaraku. Man, I feel like we haven't done this in a while, but literally we have. We have, but we haven't. It's been a whole, we're a week late. That's why it feels. Oh, that's why. Yeah, we weren't going to tell you that, but this is dropping. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. You have something else in your feed for last yes. week. It's fine. Yes, you do. You have 500 albums with our bro, Ethan Simi. Um, so, yeah, this is a little late, partly because Leah and I's lives have been. It's It's been busy over it's here. It's been real busy. But that doesn't mean we're stopping the podcast. We just have to get creative. We have to tell our little baby, like, hey, mommy and mommy are just, <laughs> we have to go to this conference, okay? But and Josh, we're at a wedding. Josh and Rhodey are going to watch you, and they're going to be okay. I've left money on the on the microwave for pizza, okay? And we're in a wedding, but, you know, no kids are allowed. No, so it's, I, it's I no kids. I, I wish I could. Sorry. I wish I could. Just how it is. Anyway, so, yes, we're a little bit late, but... We are still kicking. Um, we're also taking a little bit of a hiatus in October just from interviews. Yeah, you, you probably won't notice. You won't notice, <laughs> but just so you know, a teeny bit of a break. Just because um, we're we got a lot. Us is gone literally every day in in October. Yeah, but we're gonna have some really cool interviews lined up in November, which I'm pretty excited about. We got some good contenders. We do have one interview planned that will launch. Yes, I forgot about that one in October, but that one interview. Stay tuned. Yes, that's going to be a really good one. Um, but anyway, just to give you all the little peek behind the curtain. Yeah, peek behind the curtain. That's a good way of saying it. 
But let's go ahead and roll into our artist today. So up to this point, Leah, I had told you I'm covering Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, no. That is incorrect. No. I'm covering Slipknot. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm literally covering <laughs> Slipknot. That's because it's spooky season. It's spooky season. How can I not cover some spooky? That was a live reaction, y'all. <laughs> I did not know. It's. I even asked. <laughs> I even asked. That's what made it so great because you were texting me literally while I'm working on the outline, and I was Josh was playing uh, something on his Xbox, and I was like, "Hey, Leah, asked me what I'm what I'm doing." Lol. I said, "Earth, wind, and fire." <laughs> oh, I'm so proud God. for pulling this off. I'm surprised with how much I usually forget things and mix things up that I kept these two straight. So we're covering Slipknot. It is spooky season. We have one spooky episode plan. A little bit of... Mine's not spooky. Sorry. I forgot it was October. (laughs) It's okay. But we will still probably put up... Do we still have the ghost? It's somewhere in the archives. Okay. We're going to put up something spooky. So it'll still be spooky season. Yes. There's still going to be pieces of it. So anyway... I have, if you listen to the Blue Ridge Rock Fest, come around to this band and how I perceive them. And um, I went to their show in September. It was really good. I was actually very impressed. Um, But I wanted to say to the Ultra fans out listening to this, I will probably get some things wrong. And I probably will have some small critiques. And I need you to stand down. (laughs) They're called maggots. So stand down maggots maggots yeah that's what they're called um so just just know i just came around to this band and being okay with them so give me some time but outside of that um we just won't post this one on reddit yeah that's probably a good or a (laughs) slipknot fan club um but this is the band that loudwire can't seem to keep out of their mouth they are obsessed (laughs) with this band and it seems like they either are posting some Slipknot did or some Corey Taylor, the lead singer, said. Um, but today we explore the question, an age-old question, if you will. Is Slipknot good? Question mark. Well, we got to do the history. Then we'll get into the opinion piece. A um, couple of little trigger warnings. Well, they're not little. I mean, they're just trigger warnings. Um, we talk about alcohol. We talk about drugs. We talk a little bit about self-harm, a little bit about suicide. So... And death. Yes. Okay. All the things. All the things. Okay. So usually at this point, I bring up, you know, where we talk about each member whenever it's like a band like this. We kind of go through their early life and introduce how they get there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Give me another one in there. It's tortilla time. We have a tortilla blanket. So anyway, we usually talk at this point about each member. I'm not going to do that this time. Because there's nine members in this band. There's nine? There's nine members, including one drummer, two percussionists. Okay. It's quite a bit. But, you know, I will say, and I talk a little bit about this, it does aid in their sound. And I do hear it. But still, nine members. Um, So instead, we're starting our story today in Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines. Before someone from Iowa comes and fucks us up. Let me restart that. So instead, today, we're starting our story in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, This might be... We need to get a map and color in every time we have a band from that state. (laughs) Because this is going to be the first Iowa We will have two full bands. (laughs) (laughs) This and Stone Sour, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So now unbeknownst to me, apparently in the 90s, 
There's a metal scene in Des, in Des Moines. Moines. Who would have thought? Because there's nothing else to do in Des Moines, I'm sure. Literally, I would not have placed a metal scene there, but that's cool. I Hey, a scene shows up where a scene shows up. Um, but within this metal scene, there is a collection of bands. They're, they're kind of in each other's spheres. So there's this band called Atomic Opera. Which it's a feature, great band name. It's a great name. And that features future guitarist Jim Root. There's Modifius. I hope I said that right. I don't care if I did. Um, which features future drummer Joey Jordanson and future keyboardist slash DJ, well, samples, um, Craig Jones. Then there's the band Heads on the Wall, which does funk metal cover songs. I don't even know any funk metal songs. No. And I listen to metal. <laughs> that, so that's impressive. Um, and that features future percussionist Sean Craham. Lastly, there's a band called Vex with two X's. And that features Paul Gray, future bassist, and future early members Anders Calcifini and Josh Brainard. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. And how does this all kind of come together? Well, the wiki page um, that I was reading for Slipknot, about two paragraphs, they try to explain it about them phasing in and out. I don't understand. One is in the other band, then they're joining this band. Then it's just kind of like, it was like, I, I tried to like map it in my head. And when I realized I couldn't, I just stopped. The Slipknot Big Bang happened. Yes. The sli- <laughs> we got all these particles, <laughs> anger, disgust. <laughs> No, those are the motions from inside Psychosis. out. Psychosis. Well, it's it's the same. They're all elements on the on the emo periodic table. Okay. And then they all hit each other and bam. Slipknot's born. Slipknot. <laughs> anyway, so they all just kind of meet each other. And um, instead, I'm going to move the timeline ahead a little bit where Crayhan, Gray, Jordanson, Calcifini, and Baynard are in a band called The Pale Ones. Okay. Which I just love. So that name's not quite working out. And at first they were like, well, what about Slipknot? No, the pale ones. Mm. So anyway, while at a Sinclair gas station, which Jordanson would do night shifts, Crayhan and Gray discussed a new band name. And he finally brought back up. What about Slipknot? They wrote a song called Slipknot. He thought it'd be an excellent band name. And this time he does went out. So, I'm not sure like what were all the contestants of choosing that name, but I do know one of the options was pull my finger. So we have, Ooh, that's terrible. That we might have be, be worse. One of these is brutal. The others are just random ass boy names. It's, <laughs> it's very fascinating. Um, but back to that, that gas station slipknot wins out. And in December of 1995, the band heads to the studio to record their first demos, which they funded themselves. We've seen this with other bands, and it's pretty normal where they like all shelve $2,000 and they go record this in like their friend's basement. Guess how much they funded between them? $7. $40,000. Where the fuck did they get this money? I don't know how many overnight shifts Joey Jordanson's pulling at that gas station. Maybe he robbed it. Maybe. I, you know, I wouldn't put it. I They ain't going to track that money in Iowa. No. No one knows where it went. And it went for a good cause. Um, demos. Band demos. Yes. That's right, kids. If you steal, make sure it's for band demos. Um, 
not endorsed by me. Anyway, around this time, there's a member, Donnie Steele, who I kind of left out, but he didn't stay very long. He left for religious reasons. <laughs> Good to get out while you're ahead, sir. I don't know, and this so was funny. before they decided masks. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, they also brought in, like, to replace him, Craig Jones. They put him on guitar, but quickly they shifted him to keyboard and samples because they wanted those sounds live. So this band really focuses on having these live sounds and making sure it translates to their records. So I totally get it. Um, the band also brought in Mick Thompson. Uh, then after Craig left to move on to a different position, the band, they brought Mick Thompson in to replace him. So these $40,000 demos did eventually come out on Halloween the next year, which is excellent timing. Spooky season. Spooky season. Like this episode. <laughs> and they called the demo Mate, Feed, Kill, Repeat. Good God. Um, so it got some local airplay, but it w- wouldn't be the band's final form, if you will. So we're going to bounce back a little bit to Slipknot's first show. And in the attendance at that show is Corey Taylor, singer for another Des Moines band, Stone Sour. Mm-hmm. Um, which side note, yes, this is also a Stone Sour, <laughs> a Stone Sour outline, if you will, because I doubt I'll cover them. Yeah. But no. it's very interesting how they are I had no clue up to this outline that Corey Taylor also sung for Stone Sour. Pretty cool. I had cool. not heard of Stone Sour until about really seven minutes ago. No way. Um also Jim Root plays for Stone Sour too. So they have like these really cool anyway, it's pretty cool. Um so he watches them perform and he vows to himself that he will be the lead singer of this band. And he pulls it off. Live your dreams. Like within like a year and a half of seeing them. And so they move Casalfini back um, on vocals and percussion. Also, I'm now realizing his name is pro- probably pronounced differently. It's C-O-L-S-E-F-N-I, but I'm pronouncing it Casalfini because I'm Italian and I don't know any other way of pronouncing it. I think that's it. how I would pronounce it. Right? But there would be another I in there. I-N-I. Then how do you... I don't know. I don't That's know, his but... his name now. His name is Castlefini now. Sorry. Um, anyway, so they put him on backing vocals and percussion. I'm going to jump ahead to the band's first album. I know we're jumping around a little bit. But there's a couple of member changes up to this point. Castlefini leaves the band. We spent all that time trying to figure out his name. He's only going to stay in for a year. <laughs> you know. Um, and then they bring in someone temporary named Cuddles. No. <laughs> that is not real. I love it so much. Yes. He didn't say long, but he was the replacement for a little bit. Oh, my God. Cuddles. I'm not taking this band seriously. <laughs> uh, they also added a ninth member, DJ Sid Wilson. And I really still don't know what he does other than the... Record scratching. Beats. That's it. He just does record scratching. I will say it does add a little bit ambiance. I really do appreciate the what they're thinking of to build live. That is really cool. So after they make those demos, the band signs with Roadrunner Records, um, who is producer Ross Robbins' label, and they just start working on their debut album. And before I move forward, you probably are wondering up to this point. So who's in this band? Because a lot of changes have happened. Don't worry. I got you. One dude does leave. Josh Brainerd leaves. He leaves at the time of this recording. Um, he's replaced with Jim Root, who also is a guitarist for Stone Sour. 
And then you have Corey Taylor on vocals. You have Mick Thompson on guitar. You have Craig Jones. He's a sampler and keyboardist. DJ Sid Wilson, um, who's the turntablist. Joey Jordanson, who is the drummer. Sean Clown Crahan. Clown. Um, yeah, he wears a clown mask. Of course um, he does. <laughs> um, he's on percussion one, which is basically a big steel like rig that he hits with a baseball bat. Okay. Um, Chris Fain who is percussionist too and then paul gray who is the bassist this lineup will not change until probably like the 2010s and i'm not going to cover too much about it but just a little bit about it anyway the first album is self-titled and the goal like i said preserve that aggressive sound that they can get at their live shows so the album was released on june 29th 1999 the main singles off of this album are Wait and Bleed and Spit It Out. And so how was this album received in the late 1990s? Well, they immediately get a following. Um, critics immediately lump them into new metal, which the band has like pretty much said, that's not our genre for a pretty long time. But people have always put them in new metal, um, which I have to explore for a little bit because that's a good question. Are they new metal? I would argue yes or no, because the basis of new metal is a mixture of rap and metal elements like metal riffs and that kind of sound. Um, with the turntables and samples, I could argue that they're new metal-esque, but they use like those instruments to have more of abrasive sound to push more in the metal direction. Um, also, the vocals on Wait and Bleed have a really fast pace, but I don't think it's enough to say they're new metal. I would say they're 30% new metal influence. I know you're wondering my opinion on that. So there you go. That is what I think. But case in point, let, to bring it home, let me read this review from All Music. Quote, you thought Limp Biscuit was hard. Oh, God. They're the Osmonds. These guys are something else entirely, and it's pretty impressive. Who the fuck thinks Limp Biscuit is hard? Also, why are you equating Slipknot to the Osmonds? Uh, <laughs> Literally, well, they're comparing Limp Biscuit as the Osmonds. I don't understand how you thought Limp Biscuit was hard. That's that's very strange to me. It was the '90s, okay. It's very true. The album has since gone double platinum and was number fifty-one on the Billboard 200. Last fact, um, because why not? There is a hidden track on the album where the band watches pornography and provides commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Do with that. As you may, I'm just saying, I'm here to report the facts. That's, that might be the weirdest thing that's ever been said on the show. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I got more quips for you. Oh, God. Um, so the band is gaining popularity. And for the next album, they want to go harder and louder. And nothing says harder than Iowa. Yeah. The great state of Iowa. Fuck yeah, Iowa. Which is the name of their album. Fuck yeah, Iowa? No, Iowa. Oh, okay. Just Iowa. Um, fuck yeah, Iowa. <laughs> it's a better title. It's pretty good. Um, so random fun fact about recording, and I don't know why I find this funny, but I have a warped sense of humor. So while they're recording, producer Ross Robin fractured his back during a biking accident and only stayed in the hospital for one day. He said and bye. came back to record, and the band admired him for he this act. He had acts. shit to do. The man said, listen, I got an album. The clock is ticking. Money is time. We're paying for the studio by the hour. Yeah, I got to get in there. 
Um, this is considered to be one of their darkest albums, not only in content, but in the band's relationship. Um, we can guess why their relationship is breaking because they blew up too fast. Like well, we've seen time and time on the show. I was going to guess drugs, but that's oh, probably. Oh, that too. Well, they get thrown in the rock and roll lifestyle for sure. Taylor does have, and he's pretty open about it, an alcohol addiction that carries on until the next album and then he gets sober. And then other members um, like Paul Gray have drug addictions. Um, but uh, the band was also having some mental health crises during the recording. Um, regarding their song, People Equals Shit, um, Crahan summed up his experience with the recording. Recording Iowa was fucking hell, recalled Sean Crahan. And this is where it kind of gets a little bit into the trigger warning area. I wanted to kill myself. There was drugs, bitches, rock and roll, and all that shit. People expected so much of us then. People equal shit was our way of saying fuck off and leave us alone. Yeah, you, you got to write it sometimes. Um, so along with people equals shit, the album featured other heavy hitters such as Disaster Peace, My Plague, and Left Behind. Their title track, Iowa, which was their last track, is 15 minutes long. It actually makes it their longest album, like 66 minutes. Jeez. Yeah. And Corey Taylor had an unconventional way of, the, of recording this track. And once again, I do remind you, this has some trigger warning-esque material, so you might want to skip ahead. Um, but anyway, while recording for the final song, Iowa, he was completely naked. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, vomiting. What the fuck? And cutting himself with broken glass. What the fuck? He said, that's how you get the good stuff. No, that is not. I don't understand. I don't want to judge someone, but I have to say, probably not. I no. don't. I don't recommend that method. That's not healthy. You know, maybe sit there and meditate. The naked thing I'm fine with, believe it or not, out of those three. I'm sure, the I'm naked sure thing, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Many the, artists have recorded naked. I'm the other two, eh, can't say I recommend those. But, you know, meditate for a little bit. Sit there in your naked ass self in the studio. Drink some water. Drink some water. Sit there. Put on some ocean noises. Maybe do some yoga. Yoga. Naked yoga. That's a good way to start this. Yeah. And, you know, zen out for a second. Yeah. And then record. No but blood needs to be shed. That's his method. Can't say I recommend it personally. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, the album was released on August 28th, 2001. To rave reviews from fans and critics. Um, some critics have been too much. I love this quote so much. So Alternative Press described the album as, quote, It is like having a plastic bag taped over your head for an hour while Satan uses your scrotum as a speed bag. What the fuck? <laughs> it is over the top. You're going to be left in stitches. I have no words. <laughs> I'm like that. Now that's that's a pull quote for sure. Um, commercially, within like less than two months, it's certified platinum in the U.S. It also went platinum in Canada and gold in the U.K. And it was number three on the Billboard 200s. Damn. Yeah. What year was this? 2001. That's why I don't remember it. Yeah. Their song Left Behind was nominated for Best Metal Performance at the Grammys. So that's pretty cool. Now, I got a clown. No pun intended. On my dudes for a second. Just a brief moment. Because in the BBC documentary I was watching for this called Slipknot Unmasked, Corey Taylor talks about 
people's perception of the band. And he's saying people think we're satanic. And I'm like, are you nuts? Let me remind you, this album cover features a black goat. And they have a song that says, if you're 555, then I'm 666. (laughs) And then to have that single, when they used to put them on CDs, they only printed 666 copies. Um, Also, their symbol kind of looks like they have this little nine-pointed star. Kind of looks like a cult symbol, my dudes. I mean, weren't we all told in youth group that they were satanic? Thank you. (laughs) Well, literally, like... Literally, we're talking about the same people who saw people just in tight jeans yes. and long hair and thought they were from Satan because they listened to rock music. I mean, that's that's a jump. But looking at Slipknot, I feel like it's a fair assessment. Literally, you cannot come around. Like, obviously, watching them, seeing them in concert, it totally is just in- interpretistic. But their photos, their typography. You their have to. Don't come at me surprised of like, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand why people think we're Satanists. Don't come at me. You literally are using the imagery. You basically have a pentagram in your logo. Yeah. Like, look, I I don't care. I don't judge on those things. But literally, don't, don't be shocked. Don't when... be shocked. That's all I'm saying. Don't be shocked. I can't wait for the maggots to listen to this. We're going to get oh review bombed. You're welcome. Um, so after going back to Iowa, it was a really tough time for the band. And they did go on hiatus for a little bit in 2002. And the members went and worked on their respective side projects because I think like all the members in Slipknot have some other thing that they're doing. Um, Jim Rue and Corey Taylor went back to their other famous group, uh, band number two, if you will, out of Iowa, Stone Sour. Mm. Um, And the group like accredits their time at the side projects, like really helping them kind of get back together. Like, you you know, when you just you've been around that person too much, Mm -hmm. you just need to get away for a few days. Mm -hmm. And then it all puts in perspective and you come back. It's one of those moments. Um, however, they do come back together and they go to um, the mansion owned by Rick Rubin. That's right. The Haunted Mansion we talked about in Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, um, I looked for any ghost stories that they had. They didn't have any, damn. sadly. And we already covered them. Damn. So you can listen to our Red Hot Chili Peppers if you're looking for another spooky season episode. Um, so at first, according to Joey Jardinson, the band did not talk to each other, but eventually they like they had a few beers. They talked it through. And there, there's this really good quote from uh, Sean Clown, Crayhan, about the recording experience. He said, the first album was a lot of fun. The second album felt like we were saying, fuck you, we're dying here. And then the third record was the healing process. So I think that's really a really beautiful analogy. Yeah. Um, this was also the moment where Corey Taylor said like his drinking was out of control and then halfway through he was able to really pull it together um overall i think this is my favorite album meaning i've listened to most of the songs Mm -hmm. off of it um and i think it's because they're a little bit more experimental than the first two albums they also avoided the dreaded uh parental advisory sticker that's shocking someone challenged them that they couldn't make an album without relying on cursing oh so they didn't they only had two curse words in it. Oh, wow. Bastard and bitching. I'm surprised bastard counts. Yeah, but they, they didn't get it. Now, in their special edition, they do get it because there's a song where I'm pretty sure they just said fuck over and over yeah. again. But, you know, I also don't believe in... Censorship. Censorship, so thank you. I was going to say parental advisory. I do yeah. I do think there should be parental advisory. There, I do not believe in censorship. Yes. Um, so, 
This album was released in May 25th of 2004. It was well received by critics, but it didn't get like the overwhelming response Iowa had gotten. Like Iowa is their like that one album that is like the magnum opus yeah. for them. Um, it did really well commercially though because it went to number two on the Billboard 200, which is really interesting because the next couple albums I'm gonna cover, they're just charting like crazy. That's what, I never knew Slipknot was like a top charting. Yeah, band. it's it's weird. Like, well, I would think like rock, yeah. Easy. But overall, but like Billboard 200, that's kind of crazy. And kudos to them. Um, some of the hits off this album include Duality, Vermillion, Part mm. One and Two. I don't know what that word is. Vermillion. There you go. Thank shade you. Shade of red. Oh, look at you go. It's look also at your city. A- look at your AP brain. It's going. a city in Pokemon. <laughs> oh well, that will do it. Um, before I forget, which won the Grammy for best metal performance? So one, this is going to be one of the last albums I'm going to talk about. I'll do a quick drive by of the others um, because we don't have a ton of time to go through every Slipknot album. But in 2008, they have another album called All, All Hope is Gone. And there's some different direction with this album. One, they shift away from new metal, even though they're not really new metal. And they go into something called groove metal, which is Pantera. Okay. Um, number two... They didn't fly all the way out to California where like the mansion was and where they did their first two albums. Instead, they recorded in Iowa. And Corey Taylor said he went home to see his son every night. And this is a random note, but I this is kind of the only place I can mention it. His son, who's Griffin Taylor and Sean Crahan's son, Simon Crahan, are in a band together called Vended. Cute. Yeah, it's really cute. And they actually played Blue Ridge Rock Fest and I got to see him. Cute. And I've seen pictures of Corey Taylor like at different shows for them. And he's just sitting in the wings, smiling and cheering them on. He's a good guy. It's a family affair. It really is. It's really cool to see. And number three, there's way more songwriting collaboration between the band members. So when this album is released, it shot up to number one on Billboard 200, charted in nine countries, has since gone platinum. Critically, fans slash maggots and i really don't know how they decide these things do they do a poll do they like get together for a caucus yes a slipknot caucus and vote on this there's a slipknot convention and that's the the voting matter Th- that must be how they do it um but apparently this is the least favorite album okay of the caucus the convention if you will um so the band anyway the band tours this album for a bit and later near the end of 2009 they go back on hiatus work on their side projects which i think is actually really smart of this band, there's been a few times they've gone on hiatus just to work on side projects, but they're not like, it's not like a forever hiatus. They're like, mm-hmm. we got to take a year. I'll see you guys in a year. We'll write new material then. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty smart. Yeah. Um, No one should be going that hard for so long. And that's why I, I would argue they've been around for a bit because they learned. They give themselves breathing room. Exactly. And that's really fundamental because there's so many artists and bands that have burned hot and bright for. Yes five years and they're done because they never learned how to stop. Um, but here's where we get to the sad part in the outline. So bassist Paul Gray, who was one of the founding members, um, was planning a tour in 2010 with his supergroup called hail. However, in May 24th, 2010, he was found dead in a hotel room. The cause of death was accidental opioid overdose, mm-hmm. which he, I believe he was using to like wean off drugs 
And his doctor knew he had a drug addiction. So he had no business. No. No business uh, prescribing opioids. But he did anyway. And look how it turned out. And he has since lost his medical license. Well, I would hope so. And he also was sued out of the Wahoo. Yeah, I'm sure. Which was also earned. Um, So understandably, this devastates the band. And there was this question of whether they were going to get back together um, but ultimately, they felt like it would have been what Paul wanted. So in 2010, they pick up some touring. And then in 2012, they hold their first ever Knotfest. I've heard of Knotfest. Yeah. And you know what? The website um, actually functions as like a news site, a music news site, too. So Knotfest seems like a grand old time. It's held in Iowa. Of course. Um, and each year... They have different artists perform and then they have or had, I don't know if this is still happening. They have a Slipknot museum on site. And like, I think it's like one of those nomad museums that just gets set up for the festival. Yeah. But I am petitioning the state of Iowa, put a permanent Slipknot museum in you cowards. I will tell you your, your tourism will improve by 25%. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Maybe more, maybe more. That that is a selling. I would I would go to Iowa to see a Slipknot museum, but they did it. I'm going to be there for ribbon cutting. Okay, so you've been challenged, state of Iowa. Do it. Um, so we're going to jump ahead here, and we're going to talk about unfortunately another sad situation. In December of 2013, it was announced that founding member Joey Jordanson would be leaving the band. According to Joey, he was not informed of this decision. Oh shit! Yeah. Um. I'm not sure the full reason why, but it's very, very, very likely because he had a disease that was affecting his mobility. Oh. Yeah. In 2016, he came out. They has transverse mellitus, um, which is a neurological condition. Mm. So, like, now if the band let him out, let him go without consulting him first, that's kind of shitty. That's really shitty. That's really shitty. I don't know if that's what happened. Who knows? Um, He did go and play in another band, though, so I'm not sure what's going on there, but they were saying like he was having difficulty drumming towards the end of his career with Slipknot. Um, and in July of 26 of 2021, he did pass away at only 46. They never released the cause of death, but many believe it's because of that condition. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sucks. Um, so it's really sad because now, so there were three founding members in the band and now it's down to one, which is Sean Crahan. Um, Anyway, like I mentioned earlier, I do not have time to go into all these records. So I'm going to give you the quick, very quick highlight of them below. The, the after All Hope is Gone, they had 0.5 The Grey Chapter. I have nothing else to say. Um, next album was We Are Not Your Kind. Not is spelled N-O-T, not K-N-O-T. And you I'm missed just saying, opportunity. There, there was a brandy moment there and you missed it. You missed it. But that's okay. And then they have an album coming out September 30th, which this episode will be out by then. Mm. And it's called The End So Far. Um, And I did listen to their song, The Dying Song, because they performed it at uh, Blue Ridge. And it was really good. I even went back and listened to it. And I liked it. Um, I actually read a very interesting article that Jim Root and Sean Crahan are nervous about the album. Like, they don't think it's at their full potential. That's not good when press starts coming out right before the album. Yeah, but... It's for COVID reasons because they couldn't, they've been writing this album since 2020 and they couldn't get together at all. Okay. 
And so the studio was prepping them. You got to finish this right now. So they had to finish in 2021 without seeing each other. Mm. And then the studio took as long as they wanted to to mix and produce it. And they're like, what the fuck? We could have used that time to actually get together and produce a better album than this. Yeah, that's kind of shitty. So that so they're saying like they have mixed feelings about it, that it's not to the they're, I think they're prepping fans like, hey, this is not to the scope that we wanted it to be. And it's not really our fault. It's yeah. partly COVID, but they should have gave us more time so we could have actually been in the room together because this band does function on being in the room together. Yeah. I mean, the creative process in general does, but I do get why they were kind of prefacing that. So why did I breeze by all those because we got to get to the more important question of the night. Why the fuck do they wear masks? Yes. Why the masks? And I do have answers. The masks first originated when Sean Crahan wore, wore a clown mask to rehearsals. J- to rehearsals? Just yeah. with them chilling? Yeah. Why not? Gross. Simple as that. Um, and it's stuck as a symbolism ever since then. Uh, part of that sim- symbolism, and Leah, you might want to close your ears for this, was in response to glam metal, quote, prettiness. And instead of looking all together, they wanted to go the opposite direction of that. Damn. But I do want to point out if they're wearing masks, they are also like getting noticed. Yes. So it's kind of still having the same effect. They're basically doing what Kiss does. Yes. That, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, originally, the band was just going to wear jumpsuits with numbers on them. Like inmates? Yeah, like inmates. And uh, barcodes to represent how they're just like a product. Um, but the masks are a nice addition to it. They really should have gone with the Squid Games mask. Yes. Well, S- Squid Games wasn't quite there yet. but well, they could have been the first. They could have been the first. They missed another opportunity missed. Um, <laughs> this is also very random. But when the band started performing in masks, they were throwing up a lot at the beginning. Like they would just go off stage, hurl, and get back onto stage. Because they're playing in masks and it's hot. It's disgustingly hot. And like the band was saying like when they first started, they weren't making a ton of money like most bands are. So when they did have cash, they would just like, I don't know, go to Golden Corral, load up on steak and mac and cheese and then go perform. So they're wearing these jumpsuits. I bet they had terrible acne under those masks. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So like they had like. You're just wearing a mask that has no breathing. And you're sweating. And you're sweating. And you're wearing a jumpsuit that probably has no breathability fabric to it either. No. So they're just literally, I've watched the video because it was in BBC. They just go up, throw up, go back on stage. All of them. All of them. That's absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Anyway. um, But going back to more of the symbolism behind the masks, Corey Taylor says the masks help him tap into an antagonism and he quote dare i say theatrics this uh, first off they are metal cirque du soleil when you see him on stage i've said that already but like yeah no shit it has theatrics to it you're wearing a mask you're wearing a mask um but further Corey explains that the mask represents the person he used to be and how he got to where he is today like I said, he had an alcohol addiction, so I totally get that. And he said, like, while the mask may, may not want to make him remember or make talking more broadly how make us not want to remember, it reminds them to others that they can process and let go, which I really do respect that mm-hmm. quite a bit. Uh, for guitarist Jim Root, he also brought another perspective on it. He says the masks actually help him perform more confidently um, in that 
normally he's a pretty reserved guy, would prefer to hide behind a amp. Um, but when the mask is on, he can be wherever he wants. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. Um, and I think an argument could be made. It does allow him to focus a little bit more on the music because yeah. it's not the person necessarily. It's about the music. And I can respect that. So to our legacy section where we will answer the question, is Slipknot good? Question mark. Um, so whether you like him or not, Slipknot is one of the biggest metal bands of all time. My friend James, um, who went to Blue Ridge with me, and Josh, um, he said they're the Metallica of our generation. And I think that actually is a very spot on quote. Um, And there's definitely like a formula to their success. Um, First, Corey Taylor and the band are just some really good songwriters. They write some really good hooks that I will literally just have in my head going on and on. Um, number two, they put on some of the most entertaining shows I've ever seen, which I know I have mentioned a lot of times on this, but like it's, I'm at the point, I'm not going to go seek out a Slipknot show necessarily, but if someone said, Hey, I'm going to go see Slipknot with this band, I'd say yes. Like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, also when, this is the best fact I learned in this whole outline. So when Joey Jordanson was in the band during his like, during the set, his drum kit would like kind of like move and flip frontward and spin. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? This is news to me because I believe they originated that. Uh, Tommy Lee had the first spinning drum kit. Did he have the yeah. first one? Oh, okay. Well, regardless, that still works as well because this tickles me as a former youth group kid that in the 2000s, the newsboys also did that and they <laughs> got the idea from Motley Crue and Slipknot. Yes. I love that sentence so much. Like to think One when of we were in youth group, not like the other. when we were at creation fest in youth group, we were like, whoa, never had seen that before. And we're like, oh my God, newsboys, they're on a whole other level. Surprise. Tommy Lee did it first. Yeah. Tommy Lee and uh, Joey Jordison were doing it before and they stole it from two bands that were arguably satanic back yes. in the day. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. That's great irony. It is amazing. Fate, amazing irony. Um, anyway, number three. As someone who works in marketing, they have a very recognizable brand. It's that S. The yes. S you've always seen. And I remember being in high school and guaranteed you would see a Slipknot shirt with oh, that yeah. S. At least one day. At least. And number four, what I actually really like about this band is they have a very like don't judge us kind of mentality and the band actually avoids talking about religion and politics because as sean craham put it it brings in liars who confuse the drama and it's not worth it that's pretty wise solid standpoint uh this is point 4.5 because josh reminded me of this and this is the only place i think i can put it ginger who i'm gonna go see in december one of my faves um was supposed to tour of slipknot back in the beginning of 2002 they had to come off the tour because ginger is ukrainian and that is you mean when, 2022? What did I say? 2002? 2022. 2022. Um, Ginger is Ukrainian. Yes. And so they had to pull out for obvious reasons. And Slipknot actually went out of their way to get them back on the tour for Europe. Aww. So like they kind of were like, we're not letting you go through this alone. Yeah. And I, I can really respect that. They have a lot of respect for other bands in there. And I think that comes with time. Like I said, they've actually learned to breathe 
Yeah. They've learned when to be creative. I also like, even though they were kind of talking down their new album, they acknowledge they're kind of upfront, like this is what happened and this is why it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and that leads me to my next point. Cause this is the most crucial point. You can tell at, as a fan or a concert attendee when a band is phoning it in uh-huh. and when the artist actually gives a shit about you in the audience. Yes. And the band knows how to attract a group of individuals that can relate to the hardship that they have gone through and they steward them well in letting those individuals release that pain in their shows in a very, I would say a healthy way and in, in a we're in this together mm-hmm. kind of mindset. I also have to give a shout out to Corey Taylor cause he's, and I mentioned this already in my recap, the dude is one of the greatest showmen I've ever seen in rock and roll and in the metal scene. Like he has a way of connecting with the crowd um, while also making sure everyone is safe, like at the concert. And there's like, if I had to guess 20,000 people mm-hmm. are there, that's a lot of people, mm-hmm. which means the front is really going to have some issues if they don't give each yeah. other space. And he would see people like actually getting hurt and he would stop the show. And he's like, I want to see that person standing up and giving me a thumbs up. And I'm not going to start the show until I know that person's yeah. safe. Not many people would do that. Yeah. And I mean, some did because now everyone's, and rightfully so, careful with Travis Scott. Yeah. And all that that's happened. But you could tell he was doing this because he actually cared about that one fan who was getting hurt getting in the mosh pit. against the rail. Yeah. He actually did care about that person. And not, I don't see a lot of, I mean, I do see artists that do care. But there's just something a little bit different about it. It's, it's just really encouraging when you see mm-hmm. the artist actually care so much about the fan and wants them to have a good time, wants them to have a good experience, wants to make sure they're safe, but actually like knows that their music is actually changing something. Mm-hmm. You don't see that as much. And that's okay. Hey, not every artist is supposed to be a Corey Taylor. Yeah. Sometimes you're just going to get on stage, sing your songs, have a good time. And there is not a thing wrong in that in the world. But it's always encouraging when you see an artist Mm -hmm. that will do that. So is Slipknot good? I would say yes. I actually think Slipknot is a necessary band in the sense of we need like a Slipknot because Slipknot has like ushered in metal to where it is today. Because a lot of my generation was, even though I wasn't because I was too cool, um, was listening to Slipknot. And that really did change how metal progressed today. Mm. They are a Metallica of our generation. They really are. Like Metallica took it somewhere and then Slipknot came in and said, all right, let us take the baton and go for it. So, you know what? I I really, like I said, have come around on Slipknot, especially because I saw firsthand how much they actually cared about the people. And that's all I ask. I may not like every song. I may not agree with everything, but they care about the fans. Yeah. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Because if they sucked, I would have a much different review of this. But they luckily don't. So that's it. That's Slipknot. You made it. I made it. Are you okay? I'm okay. Is your heart okay? I still don't think I know a single Slipknot song, but <laughs> I'm okay with that fact. Thanks for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, wherever you're listening to this show. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website, shewillrockyou.com. There you'll find links to our socials, show notes, ways to contact us, and you can buy our merch. And remember, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.